Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Oregon State women's basketball has become a source of pride for the Pacific Northwest. I think Oregonians have looked, uh, I think ever since the time Scott Ruick arrived, as coach, have looked upon that program at Oregon State and said, hey, that's something we can get behind, something we're proud of. Final Four appearance, back in the top 25 this year, and he's on the show now. Uh, big matchup. you got a big matchup tonight and Sunday at home. Let's drive some people to your arena. <laughs> Let's go. Thanks for having me, first off. And um, Yeah, it's a huge weekend uh, for us, but, man, it seems like everyone is. Uh, you know, this, this uh, conference has developed over the years, and we're going out with a bang, you know, with some huge uh, opportunities. And this team is, is just one of those teams that you love watching. Uh, you know, and that's the, that's the comment I hear. I just love watching this team. And they play with so much passion, and we have all the pieces, and it's just fun to watch them grow before our eyes. Let me ask you, because a you know, big win last night for Wayne Tinkle's program in men's basketball, and you know what does that do for a campus? You go to, you show up on campus today, or you show up in the basketball offices today. A little bit of energy there left over from that win. Ah, there will be electric, electric. That's what that's what you hope for, and and certainly you know as a student uh, back in the day, uh, you know in the Peyton era when I was here. I mean, we, we camped out on the ramps to get in there, you know, and so to uh, get to revisit that a little bit, um, you know, was exciting for everyone. And uh, I thought it was just a, you know, wind in the sails, um, you know, for, for that program, for, for all of us. And we were so happy to see it. Yeah, you get an opportunity tonight, uh, number three, Colorado, visiting uh, at Gill Coliseum. And, you know, your team, obviously, I, I, I want to start by talking about Reagan Beers. Um, saw her last year thought gosh she's going to be really good in a year what kind of growth have you seen well right on on time uh, she was just announced today uh, to be one of the 10 finalists for the lisa leslie award top center in the country and uh you know Ray's it's neat to see her get this recognition for what she's doing and she's grown in every way she's such a force you know just physically so strong unbelievable hands unbelievable footwork and balance you know all the things it takes physically and skill-wise, and then you look at the character that, that she has, and, and she's just a dream uh, in every way. She's a great teammate. Uh, she's humble, uh, and she just wants to be great, you know, and so that's infectious. And, and so um, growth this year, just being able to score away from the basket a little bit more comfortably, uh, her timing, um, just understanding what she can and can't get away with, um, you know, against the competition she's playing. Um, and then the pace that she plays really lets us go. I mean, she gets into screens. She rolls. Uh, she's she's just playing great basketball and, and still in many ways scratching the surface. But uh, her defense is at another level. And so, um, you know, the foundation that was laid by her parents and her coaches previously is just being built upon through all these experiences, and it's awesome to watch. Scott, tell me this. Like, I look at Reagan and I see, okay, she's a Colorado kid. McDonald's All-American, right under the nose of, you know, Colorado's program, and, you know, you get her at Oregon State. Do you have a sense of why kids are picking Oregon State? Because you do this over and over and over again. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think all of recruiting and all of relationships have to do with finding your fit. And, you know, when we I, go out and look, you know, certainly we need to find the talent. 
you know, that can compete. At, and we want to compete nationally. We want to compete with the very best, and we want to become the best. And, um, you know, so we're looking at the very top kids. And then you have to pretty quickly identify those who would be a great fit for you so you spend your time wisely, and you have to be pretty savvy with that so you're not wasting time. Um, and right away with Ray, it, it just seemed like this kid would love our program, would love Oregon State, and we would obviously love her. And then it was just a home run with, with the family from day one. And, you know, and I've always said distance doesn't matter. Um, I used to think that in my D3 life, um, you know, but as, as a coach here, you know, I, we watched, you know, these great players from California go have great careers at UConn, um, you know. And, well, she seemed happy over there, and she went to where the fit was for her and so then you know my mind started to shift on that and now I would tell you um, we've watched kids choose to stay home and go to the local school and be miserable because it wasn't the right fit it was the convenient place um, for whatever reason in their mind and and sometimes that works but that doesn't always work you have to go where your fit is and when you do find it you'll be at home and what's better than having two great homes and and so that's uh, that's just kind of that that narrative that we help them problem solve through so that it's their decision um but man it's been it's been pure magic scott ruick with us oregon state women's basketball coach uh you know you've obviously played deep in the tournament you've been the you've been there you you know i saw you at that final four matched up against the best in the country and the path to get back there is it harder today than it was when you did it or easier given that you have the infrastructure i know the world's changing around you but can you maybe speak to that a little bit, just the, the challenge of getting back there? Well, I just I think it's just super hard no matter what. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I, I mean, I don't think getting there one time, getting there the next time, I, I just think, you know, so many things have to go right for you from, from being healthy to having the right players to having the experience necessary to, as a coach, understanding what buttons to push at the right times. You know, it took me 13 years to get to the – to the final four of, of division three after just, you know, killing myself all those years trying with all those great teams we had. And then, um, you know, here that was year six and it was a quicker rise, but it, it was in my 20th year, I think as a head coach. And so you kind of know those things, but the belief I think is the biggest thing you have to know you belong and you have to prove it to yourself day in and day out. You know, but then certainly the ball has to bounce your way a few times, uh, unless you just have dominant, overwhelming talent, um, such as the UConn team you mentioned that we played in the Final Four. Yeah, you're in the top 25 again, and for fans that means something. I know you can't get caught up in that because you want to you want to finish. It's about finishing. It's not about where you are in the journey. But was there some measure of validation within the roster, within players? Uh, you know, as you walk across campus and somebody goes, "Good job, coach!" fist bumps you. Is there some measure of validation that comes from the exterior stuff or do you have to avoid it i think you walk a fine line there i, I think you do acknowledge it it's real um it is something i think um, and you might as well enjoy it it's hard to get there for sure and um you know that's that's a need to have your efforts recognized and it's certainly exciting for our team and for our fans and it does help um you know whatever validation um, it's necessary to recruit with, to operate with. You want that. And, you know, we were there for a while, uh, you know, a lot, lot of years in a row. And then to have it stripped away was, was painful as we dipped a bit um, through the changes. And now to be back there um, just makes me happy, mostly for our team, because 
they ch- this team chose us based upon what we what we had done previously. You know, I think of Tamia Gardner, a sophomore on our team now, and another McDonald's All American with Reagan in that class. Um, she was at our first ever sellout against Stanford as an eighth grader. So when she thinks of Oregon State basketball, women's basketball, she thinks of, you know, incredible crowds winning, you know, at a high level. And and so now he is a part of rebuilding that, and that is so cool. So we talk about it. I said congratulations, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got there because of hard work, and you'll stay there because of more hard work. And, and um, you know, so use it as a motivator, um, but not more than that. We've talked in the past about your kid, Cole, who's a tremendous golfer now at Boise State. And, you know, what's that been like for you as a dad to kind of send a kid off to college? Well, man, I I was so um, apprehensive on the front end. Um, It was so, I mean, it just, you know, it's like probably anybody would experience and anybody would assume it would be like it. It was really weird having that room down the hall empty, and I, I absolutely hated it. You know, he has a putting mat in there, and it has a the a little ramp, and then the the hole on the mat is uh, it's wood, so you can hear the ball go down and then roll back to him. And so that sound that we would listen to every night in his room all of a sudden was gone. And man, you know, and then you're just hoping that everything's going good. And, you know, he's been such a great guy. He's, he's communicated with us and I feel, you know, just, you know, like he's doing well and flourishing over there and he's being honest when things have been hard for whatever reason. And and usually things are good and he's having a great experience. Um, He's able to compete. He's played in every round of every tournament in his career over there so far. And so it's been incredible to cheer him on and follow him and, uh, you know, golf parent is torque as you're watching, you know, websites that don't update as fast as you want and you're just wondering what's going on. And fortunately, they've played several tournaments on the West Coast and in, in Oregon, actually, at, at, uh, here at Oregon State, Oregon's tournament, and then down at Bandon. Um, and they, they'll do that again in March. And so we're, uh, we're really excited for them. And it's been, it's been amazing because all of a sudden it was clear he was ready and he's proven that. It's funny, too, because, you know, I've gone through this with my own kid and, I have a nephew who's at Oregon State as well, and I, I only occasionally get to see him. And each time I see him, he's a little more grown up. And you, know, you get that perspective because, you know, you're around your kid every day for their whole life, and then all of a sudden you're just kind of checking in with them once in a while, and you see those big growths, don't you? Yes. I mean, it was fascinating just to watch his body develop. Even I mean, it's just like, man, he turned into a man, you know, in a year. It's like, who is this guy? You know, and for me, um, you know, who was such a part of his his golf journey um, and Carrie as well, you know, um, we both, every time we got to go see him, which was, you know, once every couple months um, on the course, it was like he was just different. And, yeah, just ramping up that, that level of competition and then developing as a person and then learning to survive on your own does so much. And, and so we're so proud of him. We're talking to Scott Ruick, the Oregon State women's basketball coach. Um, you know, last year I watched you guys and I, and I saw, you know, Talia von Ohoffen um, and thought, gosh, what's the ceiling for her? Has Reagan and the rest of this team sort of provided her a chance to maybe not have all that pressure on her or what has sort of the balance that you've found done for her it's been ideal and she has i'm so happy for talia um she cares so much and she loves this game and she's worked so hard and she's so so talented um 
maybe overall the most talented complete player that I've coached um, from a skill standpoint, physicality standpoint, mental standpoint, where she's a coach on literally a coach on the floor um, to have the ability to be a creator has to do with, you know, the depth of our team and the talent of our team for sure. And the game slowing down and this realization that I don't have to do everything myself. And so for someone that's as talented as she is, that's what she's had to do her entire life as a basketball player. And now she's playing on a team where, you know, it's okay to hang out in the corner over there for a possession or two while others are making the plays um, and then play that role. And she's never been able to do that before, you know, and so I know she carried a ton of weight last year and she had to for us. And it was heavy as, as she was our primary, you know, along with Ben, do our primary play, playmaker. Um, and so this year to see that kind of just joy and the fun of the game come back where she, it's not as heavy and she has, the understanding to handle it um, probably just better, um, you know, and that's the evolution of great players, and it's been beautiful to watch. Now, uh, Stanford recently had a milestone as Tara Vanderveer passes uh, Coach K for most wins all time by a coach, and a lot of hoopla, and that was great, a lot of ceremony, confetti, celebrity appearances, uh, but you guys had the misfortune of being on the schedule that day, and you uh, compared it to being the Washington Generals, which is hilarious. Um, it, what was that experience like? You walk in there, you're going to get a call game? What, you know, like, give me a break. Oh, man, your mind can go down um, trails like that really easily and quickly as, you know, there's probably, I don't know how many alumni she had flying for that game, but there were there were a bunch there. And, um, you know, then, you know, I'd think, man, if I was an official, wouldn't I, wouldn't I love to be, you know, the one that said I was there when Tara broke the record? And, you know, and I mean, that's obviously very cynical. and, and yeah, I'm, That's I'm human nature. There. Like, you know, but I think we all think. It is human you know? nature to think those things. A hundred percent it is. And, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not um, even for me and so but the opportunity to be there and the opportunity to play the spoiler in that situation the opportunity to compete in that game um in a i mean that was a hundred times beyond the atmosphere that we usually play in in maples it was a, it was a great atmosphere that day it was it was if it wasn't sold out it was close and and so um it was just fun I mean, that's what I would tell. And so to be that team that day, um, I only saw that as a positive. I didn't see that as like, oh, I don't want to be that team that she breaks. Her. I mean, it didn't matter. She's going to break it. You know, I mean, Oregon State's only won there one time. You know, it's not like we're supposed to win this game. And so let's go have fun with it and see if we can get it done. And um, then, you know, if we don't, that means she breaks the record. Uh, let's just give her a hug and tell her congrats, and we're happy for her. I mean, Tara's a legend, and, you know, she sets a very high bar, and I've appreciated every minute coaching against her, and um, she's been good to me, and, you know, I'm grateful for our relationship. Colorado, number three in the country, visiting Oregon State, number 25 Oregon State tonight, 7 o'clock, right, in Corvallis. On Sunday, number 16 Utah in town against the Beavers. Scott Ruick is with us. Are you a pregame speech guy? Rah-rah, Normandale and Hoosiers. What's your style? Whatever the team needs. And typically, no. Um, you know, we, we're, we're pretty pragmatic when we approach game plans, and I, I don't necessarily believe, believe in that all the time. Um, I think there are times, certainly, to, to you know, 
I don't know, foster a little more emotion. But I feel like if we've done the, the right things, that, that should come from the team. And that is the type of person that we recruit here as uh, the mature competitor and that can get themselves there, that understands what the team needs. And I think it's just way, way more authentic if it's coming from them than me. And I like to be authentic, you know, and I, I would be, they'd probably go like, okay, what's, what's up with coach? They'd probably be concerned if I, if I did anything too crazy, uh, before the game and probably worry them. <laughs> so we just talk game plan, um, and then talk about what we want to accomplish and why and how, and, um, then go do it. And then the celebrations after. Is there, the a, is. is there a time when they need a kick in the butt? Like, is that a halftime thing or is that a huddle thing or? Um, or do you have a kick-in-the-butt assistant on your staff that you kind of just give a look to and that person steps in? How do you, how do you handle that as a staff? That's a great question. Um, I, I think that's also authentic. I, you know, I think sometimes there is a time for each assistant, for sure, um, you know, to challenge the team and especially the positions that they coach um, or speak to if it's their scout that week to speak to the game plan that, that they communicated, um, you know, while we were doing the scout during practice and shoot around. And so I think there's a time for that. I would say it is, it's on me, um, you know, and my, my job, I think, is to set the standard. And this is a team that takes very little motivation. This team is very motivated. They want to be great, and that's evident in watching them, and it's also evident in how quickly they are improving um, throughout this year. Half our team is new. I mean, six of the – Six of the 13 are new to us this year, um, you know, and we're reliant on freshmen, and they, it's unbelievable, the growth. Well, that is because of that competitiveness and uh, that's throughout our roster. And so mostly what I need to do is remind and just remind and just remind and just, you know, here's what I'm seeing. Is this what we want to be? And so that is what this team's needed more than anything um, this year, and that's a good place to be. I've talked with uh, basketball coaches in particular and some football coaches about the way that they coach, and several have said that the transfer portal and this era have changed the way they talk to the kids. They're a little more careful with words. Have you seen that, or have you had to make adjustments knowing that, you know, you you got to love them, but, you know, I had another coach say that the players know that you love them. If they know you love them, you can yell at them. You know, how do you, how, how do you view all that? Okay, so this is a great question, and I have a, a unique perspective. Um, I was very fortunate to have a USA basketball experience several years ago. I was an assistant on a Pan Am team, and there, and then also was um, able to go to Colorado Springs and recruit several times, and still do. Um, you know, some of the best kids, and I've watched that level. And USA basketball would take the very best players and bring them all together and then it was just cutthroat basically to make a roster and anytime you wear usa everybody in your circle knows everybody knows everybody cares and every kid feels in immense pressure to make the team to get on the floor every kid has this ideal vision of what that experience could be like should be like and it's it's not fair to them because it will never be what they want. There's no way. You can't give them enough minutes because you have to play everybody. And, you know, if you lose a game, of course, the sky's falling, all that. So I, I just learned I don't think that you can even challenge these kids because they're carrying so much weight 
until the semifinal game of whatever tournament you're in. Like challenge. I don't think you can. I, I think you'll lose them because you don't know them well enough. The relationship's not deep enough. And so I think you have to be so disciplined as a coach not to get on anybody in a, in an, uh, you can't cross that line right. to where they might be embarrassed. So I think that now has translated to us. And I think we have to be so careful because of the immense pressure due to social media and everybody knowing what's going on all the time. We have to be so careful that with that relationships in place before you can really get after someone if you're going to do it right. And, and so I, I think the world has changed that way. And there's no way to have the depth of relationship with the transfer that you had with a three-year recruiting process and a four-year relationship on your team. That's so, that's so valuable. I mean, I think there's a lot of parenting in that as well. You know, you, you got to, uh, you got to have boundaries. Uh, you want to, they, kids need discipline. Um, but you don't want to destroy their confidence. Your, your, your job, part of your job is to send them into the world as confident people. And part of your job is to send them out on the court. Uh, you know, confidence is comfort. Tonight, uh, Colorado, Sunday, Utah, what will it mean to you to see some new fans inside Gill Coliseum? Some of our listeners who might be thinking about something to do, want to bring their kids out. Um, what, what's that mean to you when you look up and you see a good crowd? Well, that's why I came here, um, you know, to restore and build um, a program that our community and the school and our the people like me, Beaver, Beaver fans and, and alumni, can be proud of. And this is one of those teams for sure. And, and this program's been built on relationships with our fans and filling Gill. And, you know, I, it was a dream of mine, beyond the dream, actually. I didn't know if we could ever sell Gill out. And, uh, you know, we've done it a few times, and, and those are some of the greatest days of my life. Um, that, that's the vision becoming reality or beyond. And so um, well, here's what I tell everybody. Um, get to Gill. Give us a shot. But be careful because if you do it once, you're going to get hooked. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, check out the Beavers. They'll be uh, at home tonight against the number three team in, in the AP poll, uh, Oregon State number 25 taking on Colorado, and on Sunday against Utah. A whole nother challenge with Utah. Scott Ruick, thank you for joining us. Wish you the best. Uh, you know, go break their hearts. All right, John. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Scott Ruick, getting it done. Oregon State. Can the, can the women's program do what the men's program did last night? Jordan Pope, 31 points. Wayne Tinkle got a badly needed win. Oregon gets their chance on Saturday at Matthew Knight Arena as Arizona travels to play Dana Altman and Folly Dante. Well, I guess Dana Altman's not playing, but you get the picture. Leave it here. Got the PFT. All right, look, I like basketball. I, I really like talking with Scott Ruick, the Oregon State women's basketball coach. They got a big game tonight, big game Sunday. Two ranked teams, both nights, if you want to check out some basketball. I enjoyed interviewing Jordan Pope. He had a big shot last night, and uh, it's a great get to get him on the show immediately in the wake of that he was in a great mood you could hear he was bouncing around campus people in the background telling him great job um he had a game-winning shot they beat arizona uh anna's popped into the studio but anna steven i'm gonna say something here i'm gonna say something it's time to talk some football i like talking basketball i like interviewing people like scott ruick he's fascinating but we need to talk about these nfl playoff games these are big games there's a flag hanging on our porch right now commemorating the games coming up this weekend. I just went and bought a bunch of red and gold plateware. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm going to be eating off red and gold plateware. That sounds wonderful. And Can we balloons. just Did you buy enough for the Super Bowl because we're going to have to do 
do it for Super Bowl week as well. There was a decision to be made there. You know, the good folks at the party place, I said, do you have 49er stuff? And it was a fascinating conversation. They said, we are all set to order it, but we're not going to order it until Monday. Oh, tell them to order it. <laughs> Let's get them on the show right now. Unlike John, who's already, uh, you know, penciled them into the Super Bowl. I am... <laughs> I'm already trying to get on DraftKings and place a wager on the Super Bowl. It will not let me. You know, I'm saying I, I need to get the Niners on the money line. Yeah. And it's saying uh, you got to wait. You got to wait until. Uh, but by the way, you can already wager what you think the Super Bowl matchup will be. Oh, really? But but I I looked at it and they're they're smarter than me. So I looked at it, Stephen, and so they offer odds on if you like the Niners and the Ravens to win, and you're picking a Niners Ravens Super Bowl. Or if you like the Niners in the Chiefs, or you like the Chiefs in the in the Lions, or you like the Chiefs, uh, you know, uh, you know, Chiefs Niners, whatever combination there is, all the combinations, it works out the same as if you just bet the games on the money line. <laughs> that's Did why you know they make, that? That's why they make the big bucks. Yeah, that's, they figured that out. There's no loophole there. <laughs> so I just I kind of worked it both ways. I said, okay, ooh, if I like the Niners and the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. It'll pay you like a certain amount. I think it was like plus one ten or something like that. And then it, but it, I said, what if you parlayed both games on the money line? It also works out to plus one ten. So um, there's no advantage. They've done their homework. Somebody has a calculator at DraftKings, <laughs> is what I'm saying. I'm here to say you need a calculator uh, at the BFT Sportsbook. That's your problem. <laughs> that's right. I thought I had an angle for like a couple minutes. I was like, ooh, this is better than betting it on the money line. Um, Kyle Shanahan talking about Debo Samuel today. Is he going to let on whether he's playing or not? Here he is. Here's 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan. Uh, it's huge. I mean, um, a little scary at the beginning of the week, but the fact he was able to go full go today and no restrictions on him is definitely a good thing for us. No restrictions on Debo Samuel. Do you believe him, Stephen? Do you think Debo's 100 or is this gamesmanship? I can't imagine that he's 100%. I don't know who many guys that are 100%, but it sounds like, you know what, he did practice and he's going to play. And uh, I think that it's very important that Debo Samuel does play. He's one of the best players in the NFL, especially as a non-quarterback. So I think the 49ers need him, as I think this game will be a little closer uh, than the number says at, at seven points. So I think he'll be healthy-ish. I think they they may try to, like, force-feed him early in the game just to kind of prove, hey, you know what, he is healthy lions you need to take you know take an eye and you know, put it on him but um you know i can't imagine he's 100% fully healthy do you think do, do we want to know what these nfl teams are shooting the players up with before the games do we want to even know this no not at because, all cuz i saw the story with the ravens they've activated mark andrews for the afc title game i just want to point this out he he hurt his ankle on november 16th they said he was going to miss the rest of the season He's got a cracked fibula and ligament damage, okay? November 16th, okay? November 16th, yeah, of 2023. So we're talking two months essentially later. He is now activated for this game. They said he rehabbed six hours a day, and he spent his nights in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber to speed up his recovery. Uh, they're leaving something out there. There's also... <laughs> He's also going to be shot up with horse tranquilizer or something prior to the game <laughs> in order to play in this game. And he's really excited to do it. But the fact that he's in position to play 73 days after this significant injury, is it a testament or does it raise questions? Testament to the medical 
procedure and rehabbing, or does it raise some questions? Uh, I think it raises some questions because, like, you only recover from an injury like that if you're, like, seven years old. You know, like kids, they break their arm, and a few weeks later, they're in a cast, and then they're out of the cast, and they're fine. But at that age, I just, I don't know how someone can recover without some significant interventions. Well, the, there was a point where, you know, a cracked fibula or a torn ACL, it was like the career, your career was over. And now it's just like a minor injury where you can come back, you know, later on that season. We will be back for the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, they'll be fine, you know. I mean, there was a thought Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, you know, is, uh, his Achilles, blew his Achilles, and he may be back this season. Now he didn't come back. But I still think, uh, I, I think it's a little of both, though. Like, I'm a little weirdly, like, there's something, something fishy going on here, you know. All right. De- so definitely giving him some stuff. But I also think that, Medicine has advanced a lot you know, in yeah. the last five, ten years. Well, orthopedic surgeons and physical therapists and trainers will tell you that, you know, there are some advantages you have if you are younger and you have a, suffer an injury and if you are active and athletic. And so you are talking in sports that we're talking about high-level professional athletes that are going to heal faster. Also, you know, he raises the idea that he you rehabbed six hours a day and slept in the hyperbaric oxygen chamber. He's got time. And he's got opportunity to, to heal. Now, this reminds me of a story. I ruptured my patellar tendon. I ruptured both patellar tendons about two years apart, year and a half, two years apart, okay? Ruptured my right, ruptured my left, did one play in basketball. The other one, after it healed, I was teaching the third grade girls in CYO track and field how to high jump. I planted pop. <laughs> other, I knew right away. It, I said, that is my patellar tendon. They're like, how do you know? I was like, I know. Um so I ruptured both tendons, full rupture, right? And I took a normal amount of time to rehab. I did. I had the surgery. I did the physical therapy. I had the recovery. I did everything I was supposed to do, range of motion, getting that flexibility, rebuilding the strength. It took me a while to get back to what I would say was anywhere near 100%. Same time, almost the same time, my second rupture happened when Joel Prisbilla did it. He did it at the same time, same exact time. And I can remember kind of tracking his process and and seeing how, you know, how did he recover and how long did it take him? And he was ready to play in an NBA game way before I would have been ready to play in a pickup game. And I talked to him about it and he made a bunch of jokes about what a wimp I am and I'm not working hard whatever. And I was like, "Well, tell me what you do in your day." And he was like, well, "Basically, he wakes up and he's rehabbing." He's going to the Blazers training facility. He's, you know, getting constant, constant rehab for like eight or ten hours a day. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm not rehabbing. I'm working. I'm I'm like living a normal life. Like we don't regular civilians don't have access to the kind of um, rehab and training that professional athletes have. So you have a, a compounded effect here that the rest of us look at injuries and go, you know, oh, I did that shoulder thing, or I did that mm-hmm. knee thing, or I did that elbow thing, or I ruptured my bicep, and and we apply like real world things to it, and then we look at a guy sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber rehabbing six hours a day. There's a bit of an advantage there, huge advantage. I mean, when that is their job, once they get injured, it is actually their job to rehab and to get back to playing as quickly as possible. I mean, that's a huge difference between you going to physical therapy two or three times a week and trying to work that into everything else that's yeah. going on. And I like old people, but I was in physical therapy, and I was in kind of like looking to my right, looking to my left, and it was like guy on my right 
is, you know, suffered a fall and broke his hip. He's learning how to get back up and find his balance and his, you know, his core strength again. Lady on my left is working on a uh, knee replacement. You know, Joel Prisbilla is in there, and these NBA athletes, NFL athletes are in there, and they're, you know, to their right and left, they've got, like, the physical therapist, trainer, and teammates that are all going through it. I mean, there's tremendous advantage. And a hyperbaric chamber. Matt, can I get a hyperbaric chamber? What does that cost? Yeah. Can we do that? And how does that help? I would love to understand the medical science between how that helps somebody recover. I just like to, I'd like to tell people that. They're like, <laughs> oh, I was in the hyperbaric chamber last night sleeping. Uh, Ross Tucker um, talking here about Debo Samuel as the X factor for the 49ers. Ross played in the NFL. He knows. Here he is. Debo Samuel is the most valuable non-quarterback skill player in the NFL against the spread. Yeah, I had and those I called, numbers. I called my co-host out on it, Dan, and I said, wait, 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 wait. They have Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, McCaffrey, and Debo's that important? I didn't know this. The Niners average two yards more per play when Debo's in the lineup than when he's not. That equates to one and a half to two points against the spread. I've never heard of a non-quarterback being that valuable, according to the odds makers and the professional betters, as Debo Samuel. Also, the Niners are twelve and one straight up, and ten and three against the spread when Debo starts and finishes a game. They're one and four straight up, and zero oh and five against the spread when he doesn't. Well, look, I'll say this: I think Debo is he makes everybody better. And he's one of the rare players who isn't a quarterback who makes everyone around him better. I think there are other examples of players who have been running backs or receivers. I think Tyreek Hill comes to mind when he was with the Chiefs. There are other examples of players who have that kind of impact. But what Samuel does for the 49ers offense is it forces the defense to not be able to concentrate on George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. And I think Christian McCaffrey also brings that element when he's on the field and healthy and in uniform because the defense has to account for him running, has to account for him out of the backfield. I think it makes life very easy for Brock Purdy and, and Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, I'm taking the Niners. I like them. Really I think shocking. they I think they cover. I'm crawling out on a limb. Stephen, who do you like? The Bears. Uh, hyperbaric, <laughs> hyperbaric chambers, uh, ten thousand for you know the cheapest ones. So, there you oh go. really? Yeah. Oh. But it, uh, you know, it looks like the good ones are about. Uh, Is there a local company that does these chambers? I'd like to sample one first before I, I buy. Well, some. I'd like to tr- spend a night in one. Well, that's the thing. I don't. Some look a little smaller for like a, you know for a big guy. I don't know. I'd have to go a little more expensive. You know, the hundred thousand range. That's their. Uh, I don't even. I don't even know. What these things look like? Do they look like a tanning bed? That's, That's kind of yeah, yeah. yeah, some look like but, a tanning bed. One is like this big giant machine that you just sit in. But yeah, they all they, mostly you just kind of lay down in it and then you uh, cover yourself up as like a tanning machine. And, and help me with what a hyperbaric chamber yeah. does. Is I, it, I, I don't. I don't know. I just want. I looked up the cost and uh, it was ten thousand dollars for the cheapest ones. So, uh, so seems mm. like it's going to be helpful. Maybe we can find so one on eBay. It's oxygen. It's used. It's oxygen. I don't know that so, I want to use a, a used hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> so you're breathing pure oxygen. Oh. Yeah, don't try this at home. <laughs> don't get the casinos. Don't get grandpa's oxygen tank and just like get in a closet and start to unleash it. Don't Bad light, idea. Don't light a cigarette around the thing either. I had a neighbor one time. His name was Harold. He used to walk and he had one of those oxygen tanks that he'd carry with him. He was a smoker. Yeah. And uh, I was always like, man, 
That just doesn't look safe. Like, you know, you'd be like... I thought you were going to say you asked for a puff or something. Hey, you'd be a, a little jumpy every time somebody, you know, smoking a cigarette opens a light, open flame. You just get a little jumpy. Um, yeah, but wouldn't, don't you think there would be a business for hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Like, for where, sure. Where, like, this seems, feels like it should belong in Vegas. Like, one of the hotels should be like, would you like your room... To be a hyperbaric oxygen therapy room for an extra two hundred bucks. Yeah, there's places around here that offer that service. Yeah, oh, I'm in. Go in there. I'm yeah, all about like it for uh, for like a session. It's like two hundred to six hundred bucks. I like would like session. to try this. If, w- wound healing is what. Reach they call out to it. me if you have one of these contraptions. I'd like to hear from you. All right, we'll talk about the ASP. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but. If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.